0: You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no nonsense advice with thought provoking interviews. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast, the show where we talk about anything and everything nursing and healthcare related. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, and chief nursing officer at Nurse.org. Now, let me ask you. Have you ever gone to work or gone to school, had a clinical something and had an assignment out of hell and it like made you so upset? So, 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 so upset. Like you were so finished, so disgusted with, with nursing, with healthcare. Like you don't want to do this anymore. You don't want to come back to this facility. You didn't want to be in this field. Like you were just so upset at the situation, circumstances leading up to the situation, how it was managed, how it was handled, and like all of the work time, effort, resources, and energy that it just took from you—like, have you ever been that upset? Right? Well, I was for damn sure. I was upset with the patient. I was upset with my colleagues. I was upset with the off-going staff. I was upset with the chargers. I was upset with the house supervisor the hospital, my agency, like everyone I was upset with. And fortunately for me, because of all the experience I've had, there was a glimmer of common sense that came to me and all my upsetness that said, Alice, it's one patient. It's one incident. It's one shift. This too shall pass. But let me tell you, I was livid. I was livid. And so for today's topic, I wanted to talk about Six tips on how to manage displaced anger. And let me just briefly describe to you uh, what displaced anger is first, guys, in case some of you are wondering, because we've all had these times where we felt anger. Um, it's a common feeling. It's a healthy emotion, actually. However, knowing how to release anger and how to direct it appropriately is essential, um, especially in our profession where we take care of people. We just we take care of patients. We can't just always get mad at patients. That's just, you know, because also having that emotion, having it frequently and it not being checked or managed properly can lead to some, you know, not good outcomes. Okay. But what happens when you are upset or angry and it's misdirected at someone or someone else? Again, not good. So there are many types of anger, one being displaced or being misplaced. And it's when you project negative feelings, your anger towards someone or something who isn't the true cause of your negative emotion. It can be complicated to explain and difficult to understand, but anger displacement can be a real problem for some people. The reason why I wanted to go over six tips on how to handle or manage displaced anger is because I was upset about something. I was so upset at something, that one thing, that I started to get mad at everyone else that was around remotely even around or involved. They could have maybe didn't know even know what's happening. I was still mad with them because they were around. And so in nursing, we often catch that heat from patients. Like the patient's upset with the doctor and they take it out on everyone else. Well here, I was upset with the situation with a patient and I was literally like this close, this close to letting it all loose and taking it out on everyone. But I recognize that I can't do that. I'm a professional I had to quickly identify what I was feeling and how to manage it. So let me explain to you what happened. I was reporting to work in an emergency room. The report seemed pretty straightforward. I was getting three patients, nothing that seemed too alarming, too urgent. I wasn't anticipating any type of chaos early this Saturday morning. I thought everyone was resting. And, you know, as far as from what the off-going nurse was saying, I proceed to walk to the supply room, get some, you know, some saline flushes, some alcohol wipes and some other things, get all my kind of my little stuff together, my supplies. So I can just, you know, go around, make rounds, introduce myself to the patient and kind of get my assessments going and then work through meds and kind of go from there. As I'm walking to the supplies, I see this commotion down the hallway. I'm like, oh, what's going on down there? Right. And. I notice the, and I hear one of the male, the male nurse who actually gave me a report yelling for help. And I thought that he was, you know, trying to just gather some attention because there was something going on. And then so two other guys, two other, two of the EMTs on the night shift walk into the room and I hear some scuffling and I'm walking down the hallway, but I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Like, Ooh, what's in that room, right? Y'all, that was my patient's room. Okay. That was my patient's rooms. And those three staff members were walking out the door on their way out. Saw a patient in need of help, and proceeded to go in there and help. And the patient was disruptive. Quite honestly, the patient—let me just be very graphic and very clear. Patient was someone who was in the ER, who was brought in by EMS because they had seizures and supposedly was post and was resting and you know doing okay, but now was somehow got over both their padded side rails, was walking around, had their clothes on and a gown over them had poop trailing by their feet. He was smearing the feces into the ground, had it in his hands, was smearing it on the wall and touching stuff and touching people. And then as the nurses tried to redirect him, he was not following instructions. They put on gloves and tried to subdue him and get him to go to the bed. But it it wasn't without a tussle. And the other two EMTs had to help the staff nurse. Here they are, strong guys, and they're trying to get the patient back into the bed. He's strong as well. And he's kind of, Fighting back, like, no, I don't want to go to bed, but he's not speaking like in logical sentences, he's just saying, no, no. And you know, when they're redirecting, he's not listening. Pretty young guy in his 20s, no other history other than epilepsy. Again, was here from a witness seizure and was in a post-ictal state. Usually, when people are post they're tired, they're sleepy, type of thing. Not all the case, and you know, I didn't know enough more about the patient to know whether there any other complicating factors like were there drugs on board? Uh, What happened? Like, I just didn't know. I didn't know. You know, I was told that he was cooperative initially. So I'm like, why the change now? Like what's happening? So as the guys are trying to subdue the patient, I'm like, there's feces flying everywhere. I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? Right. I grab a patient gown on or a, a isolation gown. I put that on. My hair is tied back. I got a mask on, I'm putting gloves. Usually when someone is disruptive like this and Not necessarily violence tracking out, but just disruptive and not following directions and resisting of of staff members trying to ensure their safety and getting back to bed. We have to subdue them, unfortunately, right? So I yelled down the hallway. I said, we need the ER doctor to order some Ativan for the patient. And I said, the location. I didn't say the patient's name, but I just said the location. And I had to because there was no other way to get down the hallway. I couldn't leave the guys because while they were doing that, I was also trying to help guide them and direct them from the things that they couldn't see because they were still everywhere. And because I knew the patient, this is a change of condition, I was trying to get some vital signs as much as I could because I also knew Ativan was coming on board. I was like, let me get, him. try to get a blood pressure, try to get pulse ox and his heart rate, at least some baseline information. And then like they're like, Alice, it's ordered. It's in the computer. You can get it. I need someone to get it. And like this is where I got upset because the two MTs who are coming on day shift, two petite, nice ladies, but they're very, you know, we're all petite. So we don't have the strength to hold down this guy. And, for the other guys to go home. So fortunately, the night staff agreed to stay. But they're just standing there like fear in their eyes. They've never worked anywhere else. They're new EMTs. They don't necessarily have CNA skills to know how to clean someone up. They're more like just fresh out of EMT school. So they're like looking at me like a deer in headlights. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do type of thing? And they're like sticking to each other. So I have to delegate and tell them what to do. I'm like, come on, ladies, we got to get this together. I need and then I gave them instructions like I need you to get isolation gowns, face shields and stuff for us. And then the other person, I need you to get some washcloths, wipes, and all those things because we're going to have to end up cleaning this patient. And then I t- yelled nicely, out loud, to another nurse, called them by name because nobody was coming to help me. So I had to call call people out and give them tasks. And they knew that this was a, a shitty situation. Yes, pun intended. I asked one nurse to go grab the Ativan out of the medication dispensary machine. It's not a Pixis. It's something else called mental health. Anyways, I asked them to grab the Ativan, I said, I don't know if it's ordered IM IV, but bring me both, we'll figure it out. I asked the other nurse to grab the restraints and then came in the room. Everybody's there. We're all I'm face shield, I'm double isolation gown on now. I have gloves on. I have on a, a hair cover, shoe booties, all kind of stuff because I'm like I'm going in. I'm going under and it's all poop everywhere. So I'm closest to the patient. So we drop the medication, we drop the Ativan. I'm going to give it IVs. So I get get closest to the patient, and then so I give the Ativan. The guys are holding them back as much as they can without getting feces on themselves. We hold off on the restraints until we can kind of get some things cleared up because there's poop over the all over the place. But he's he's starting to he's starting to like fade to black. He's starting to get sleepy. He's getting tired. I can, you know, the, he's not struggling or tussling as much. And so the first thing is safety first, right? So safety first is finally when he's kind of started to doze off a little bit. We got the restraints on him restraints on. And the reason why I didn't get the restraints on earlier is because the more we restrained him, the more aggressive he got. So we had to let some of the Ativan kick in. Ativan kicked in. We get the restraints on. We get the guy in bed. Mind you, poop everywhere on the floor, on the walls, in the bed. Like don't touch nothing. Nothing in the hospital is clean, y'all. Don't touch nothing. Don't trust it. Okay. So he's in the bed. And so I'm looking at him. It's like There's poop everywhere. I'm upset. I'm mad. I'm like, what the is happening here? as we're going through the situation, the day, the night nurse is saying like, come on, man, like talking to the patient as if he's logical, he's logical and can follow instructions. And so is everyone else. And everyone's kind of, and so I kind of jump on that bandwagon a little bit like, come on, bro, you know, better, we shouldn't be doing this. Like, don't, you should not be messing around in your poop and stuff like this. Like what's happening? What's, are you in pain? What's going on? Tell, talk to me. Patient's unable to talk. He's just like, No, 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 stop. That's all he's saying. And so we're all frustrated that we're having to work so hard. Now, mind you, night shift's upset because they're supposed to be going home, got poop everywhere. I'm upset because I had, this is is the first thing I'm doing in the morning? Come on. This cannot be the first thing I'm doing. I'm on cold brown, loose boo-boo patrol for a patient who's smearing it everywhere. Like I didn't go to a school to, to clean up poop from a confused patient who's not listening to directions. Like I didn't, now I'm speaking freely like this. Someone people like Alice, you shouldn't say that. The patient is probably very sick and didn't know what he was doing. And the truth is he didn't, he did not. He did not. And I'm going to get into that. But what I am doing is I'm having a transparent, honest moment with other healthcare providers. And maybe you're not a healthcare professional and you're listening to this, but sometimes, not sometimes, we are human. We are healthcare providers, but we are human. So I did not have a full grasp of the entire situation of what was causing him to be this way. And mind you, I have a very compassionate heart. I am here to help people, especially when they cannot help themselves. But in that moment, when you have someone who you believe is able to follow directions and should be be following directions and is not, and is in fact doing just the opposite and appears to look like they are doing this on purpose. Yeah, you get upset you get upset. You're like, come on, man. Why are we, there are people really dying out here. People who really need blood transfusions and oxygen and stuff. And I'm over here tussling with you and your poop. Like you get upset. It is upsetting. It is. And so I'm upset with the patient initially because I'm not understanding like, why would he do this when I've not been provided any information as to why he would do this. Right. And then I'm upset with some of the staff because the staff didn't, the fellow staff who did not jump in to help me. I had several. Staff nurses walk by, I look in and not offer any help. I was upset and salty with them. The two EMT ladies who I understand are new, newly EMTs. I understand that now. I didn't in the moment when they first presented themselves. And so when they stood there with deer in headlights, I'm like, we ain't got time to be watching. Let's go. Come on. Let's get to it. I said, let's get to it, ladies. That's what I said to them. So I was upset with them. The charge nurse who walked by says, Alice, what's going on in there? Okay, well, I'm going to cover your other patients. I wasn't really mad at her, but I'm like, I was just like mad because she's a charge nurse. Like you, you gave me this assignment, shit, right? House supervisor, because we were not as well staffed as we could have been. And later when I needed to have a sitter for this patient, there was no sitter. So I had to maneuver myself where I was always close by to this patient. And then the hospital overall, because small community hospital, y'all. And then I'm like, they never have resources, they never have staffing. So I just let this anger, me being upset in this moment because of what I'm being tasked to do, spill over into other things and cause me to be upset with other people and other things when really that wasn't their fault. And heck, it really wasn't even necessarily the patient's fault. And I'm gonna get into why that is. But I was angry. So fortunately, I had the wherewithal to have a moment of clarity. We're like, Alice. This is just one moment. This is just one patient. It's just poop. You've, seen, you've been around poop. Maybe there's something going on that he doesn't really understand what he's doing. Give it. I thought glass half full. Like he don't know what he's doing. He's not doing this on purpose. He's not doing this to upset you or give you a hard time. This person doesn't really want to play in their poop. Something's wrong with his patient. Recognize that. Get him situated. Give him all the attention he needs now. Hopefully you'll get him situated and the rest of the day will go a lot better. I had to tell myself this and not take it out on other people. Cause boy, I was ready. Nurse comes in with the out of van. I push the out of van. Patient's starting to get a little bit sleepy. We get the restraints on. We get him in bed. Okay. The house supervisor says, night shift can't stay anymore. Day shift, it's all yours. And mind you, we had no strong nurses or any male nurses or EMTs to help us. We were all ladies in the ER. Shit. So if this guy cuts up again. We don't have the muscle to take, you know, to take him down. We'd have to call security, like a code gray or something like that. (laughs) And so we get him in there and then he's laying in the bed. Vitals are stable. He's dozed off from the Ativan. But now there's poop everywhere. I can't leave the room like that. I can't just leave it towards housekeeping. Although housekeeping joined the team to help us, myself and the two EMTs had to get this patient cleaned up. And when I talk about the patient had poop from the head to the toes, baby, head to the toes, all within the gown, all within the the EKG wires, blood pressure machine, on the side rails, on the padded side rails. Like it took us a, almost an hour to get this person cleaned up, situated, positioned properly and restrained. And because he was also had seizures, he has seizure pads. So we couldn't leave. There always had to be someone in the room with him, especially since he's a strong guy. We needed to make sure he wasn't going to bust out the restraints. So we couldn't just do that and just leave. Someone had to keep an eye on him to make sure that this was going to be an okay situation. That you know, if anything happened, maybe he started, would have a seizure when he was in restraints. Like there were just too many things that could have happened. And I was upset because we were short and there were only two EMTs. And so they also had to help with other things they had to do the 1280 kgs they had to help with casts they had to do like so many other things so who did it fall onto me 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 the nurse me the nurse so my assignment then this was a four bed area room that I, the patient was in so that I all of a sudden then had all the patients in that room so my assignment was changed so I location wise be able to park my computer near that patient and still be able to see all my other patients and I said ain't this ain't this some shit. Literally, I can't even go nowhere. How am I supposed to leave and go to get the mach- medications? How am I supposed to go, you know, like do all of these things? Like I'm stuck into this room and I'm, I am just upset. I was really upset. I was frustrated. I was upset. I was like, this is not the way you start your day. And I was upset with the patient. And then I had two other patients and then they gave me a fourth patient. And I'm like, and I'm watching this one guy. It just was not how I wanted to start my day. I was upset with everybody. Let me talk a little bit about, now that you kind of know the background, let me, and I'll get more into the patient, but you know, let's talk about displaced anger. Okay, what is it? So according to the American Psychological Association, APA, they define displaced anger as the direction of hostility away from the source of frustration or anger and toward either self or to a different entity. So Let's say I was I was frustrated with the patient, but I can't take it out on the patient. I'm not going to yell at the patient, right? I'm not going to sit there and try to rationalize with the patient, like what you did was wrong and you owe me an apology. Like I wasn't going to do that and I couldn't. In hindsight, this is what I also needed to remember and remind myself, you guys, because although what I was experiencing was something behavioral, I had to think back to the disease process. The patient is post seizure. So more than 70% of people with epilepsy Uh, report post-ictal, after seizure complications, including confusion, fear, exhaustion, headache, emotional reactivity, memory problems, and behavioral changes. Sometimes it can last for hours. Sometimes it can last for days. And we know that sometimes people can lose their bowel and bladder control when they're having a seizure. And actually they can during this post-ictal time as well. So I had to go back and remember that and say, hmm, Although the patient looks like a normal person, they had a seizure. They're still in this well within the hours and time frame of post-ictal complications. So although the patient had, was, according to the night nurse, resting quietly in their bed, I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. I just can't see them. But had a moment of awakeness where they got up and maybe they were awake. They woke up. They were confused. Had to use a restroom, went on himself, got confused and started wiping like, I don't know, but there is a period of confusion and I can't deny it and say all of the people say, that's not likely what happened. It's possible guys, real talk. It's really possible because I did a lot of research on seizures, post-ictal, the confusion that happens afterwards, the behavioral issues, and it can happen. And in fact, there's a lot of information out there that talk about how people post-ictal, their behaviors can be misconstrued as aggression. When people are trying to help them, so like let's say when someone's post ictal and the police come on the scene and they're trying to help the patient or you know handle the patient in some person in some way, and the patient maybe will is resistant not because they're trying to resist the police officer arrest, but they're trying they're confused. They don't know why why are you touching them? What's happening? They don't even know where they are. They don't even realize that they had a seizure, and so this this period of confusion, they don't know what's happening. They don't know what they're doing, even if they look normal, like. When someone, quote unquote, looks normal, doesn't look like to be any pain, doesn't look to have any injuries, we assume that they're going to behave appropriately. We don't take into account the mental and psychological impact of a seizure. And even now, let's just even take mental health into consideration, right? Those are things that you can't just see with the naked eye. So you have to think about this. So I had to go back to the anatomy and physiology of like what's happening. And it wasn't until much later did I realize that He was experiencing massive confusion from his post-ictal state and behavioral changes from his post-ictal state. And the reason why I know that is because hours later into the day, after he, you know, after we cleaned him up and he'd rested a little bit and he he actually fell asleep and he woke back up, I was taking vital signs. I was reassessing him. He began to be able to converse with me uh, in an appropriate way. Previously, he was just saying, no, stop. Wasn't speaking in logical sentences, was not following directions. Later that morning, he started to speak in sentences, stringing words together that were making sense. He was following directions. When offered, do you need to go to the restroom? He says, yes. I said, okay, well, I'm going to help you to the restroom. Is that okay? Do you need anything? No, okay, I'll go with you. Thank you. He got up, walked to the restroom, which was in that room. There's a bathroom there. And, And... you know, I said, okay, make sure you wash your hands. Washed his hands, dried them. Got back in the bed. Stuck his arm out for me to put his blood pressure cup on. Put his finger out for me to put his pulse ox on. Became so cooperative. And then I started to ask. After I was able to kind of manage my other patients and get things settled, I said, oh, okay. So tell me a little bit. Where, where are you from? I'm like, what do you do?" And he spoke in very logical sentences. I said, "You know, tell me about your. You know, have you had seizures for a long time? Oh, I've had it since I was a little kid, but it's been getting worse. Tell me about the medications that he was on." I was like, and. I said, do you recall the events of this morning? He says, I think I, I came to the hospital. I had a seizure and I came to the hospital. I know that. I said, do you remember getting up? And I literally said this like this. Like, do you remember getting up and shitting all over the place and rubbing in the wall? He looked at me so em- kind of embarrassed. Like, no, I don't remember. And guys, I have to say, you know, I know patients will sometimes say, say untruths or because they're embarrassed by things. But I believe this guy. I legit believed him he had no recollection. And part of it is because of the different alertness. He seemed to be like in a whole nother capacity earlier. And when we got there, I'm like, he has no capacity to make decisions. He's not logical. He can't converse. He's not speaking properly. Like there's so many signs that he's not able to make decisions for himself. Later that day, after the conversation I had with him, his following directions, getting up, go to the bathroom, eating his meal, like talking to me about his medications, talking to me about what he does at home. The fact he said, no, I'm not able to really work. I have problems with like memory. And sometimes after when I've had a seizure, it's really bad. I'm really tired and I can't focus. I was like, ding, 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 ding. Post-ictal confusion. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, and I refreshed myself on seizures in the post-ictal period. And I realized like I was upset at someone who really, truly did not have the capacity to make good decisions and their behavior was not a result of because they just wanted to poop on themselves and rub stuff on the walls it's because they were mentally incapacitated and in doing things that he really didn't know that he was doing. I know that sounds far fetched, but it's the truth. And that's the kind of stuff that you don't really, you might read about in a textbook, but not until it is. Actually happens in a work environment, and that you see it really like in real time, and you're in it. Do you recognize, like, oh crap, that's what they meant in that textbook? That's what this could possibly look like. Now, mind you, I've never been in this particular type of situation, but hey, anything could happen. And so I was upset. And fortunately, before I came to this whole uh, revelation of understanding what truly happened, I was upset. I was upset at folks. So I had to learn. How to manage that displaced anger? So what happens is when you are upset like that, you can take it out on other people. You can take it out on um, things. Like mind you, had I let's say I was I was going off of work and I was upset, I might have went to the gym and started boxing and hit, hitting a boxing bag and taking my anger out on that. Sometimes you can take it out on people, and you can be snappy and rude to people who have no no idea of what's happening, which kind of was what I was feeling and initially started to do earlier on the shift, you know, when people weren't necessarily jumping in to help. But Maybe they didn't really fully understand what was happening, right? Maybe they thought we had it under control. Like I was getting upset with some folks for probably no good reasons. Um, I was mad at the charge nurse because she gave me the assignment. I was mad at the house supervisor because we were short staff and because I had to do this and I didn't really want to do this. So that's what I was upset about. Really, really was. And so you know, some things that you can do to offset this is, you know, sometimes you got to walk away from the situation. Now, mind you, I couldn't walk away from the situation because I'm the nurse. I'm in it. And mind you, after the patient got situated, we, you know, it's always safety first. Poop can, you know, as long as you're safe. I don't care if you're sitting in a pile of poop as long as you're safe. Once safety is, you know, how they like when you're doing BLS and secure got to make sure scene safety is there. Then we will get to cleaning the poop. But I couldn't walk away because we were short staffed. So I needed to help and actually um, provide instructions to the, the EMT ladies that were helping me. Like I'm thinking to myself, like, have you ever made a bed with someone in it? Like just the the putting of supplies together and things like that. And they actually told me that they hadn't really had that experience. Um, and, you know, in an emergency room, they're not really having to take care of total care patients all the time. And they just hadn't had the experience, so I had to show them how to quickly and effectively clean someone real fast and with limited supplies and, you know, in a way that we're not going to compromise safety because you got to take off restraints and do all this other stuff. So I helped them do that. Um, and they were moving slow. And I'm like, we got to move fast. We cannot be slow. This is not massage, bed, bath time. We're just going to wipe off the important parts, what's needed, and just ensure safety. Right? Enough where we can function around things and we can come back later and finish up the rest. So uh, I was mad at them. I was mad at the house supervisor because we were short staff. I was mad that I had to be the quote unquote sitter because there was no sitter. Um, And just, I I wasn't happy that that's how I started my morning off. Like I wanted to get my supplies, go see everyone, do do a quick set of vitals, do a quick assessment, and go grab a cup of coffee. That's what I wanted to do on a Saturday morning, right? And most, not most Saturday mornings, but you know, cause people don't like to come to the ER Saturday morning. Really. They like to sleep in at least, you know, the people that are in the ER usually are the people who are really, really sick that need to come to the ER. But you know, most times you can, have, you know, squeeze in a cup of coffee before you get your day started. I had no coffee that day. So I was operating with no coffee, um, which i usually need my coffee to really get right, get right. But anyway, so all that was happening and I was upset. So I couldn't walk away, but. At the earliest convenience, once the patient was situated and safe, and there was some, I said, I need someone else to sit and, you know, stay in this room while I go grab some meds or go grab this or grab something. I took a moment away and I did have my cup of coffee. Mind you, it was a quick one, but I had a cup of coffee. I was like, and I just had to like take a deep breath. After I went to the the bathroom, the staff locker room and scrubbed myself down as much as I could because I was poop everywhere. Now, mind you, not on me because I had had all that protective PPE on, but I was like, ugh, you know, sometimes you get that smell in your nose. You're like, I can't get it out. And you're concerned like, oh my gosh, is there a piece of poop on me somewhere that I can't get that I left? Like that's around. But anyways, I tried to step away for a, from the situation for a moment. I had to find a healthier way to process my anger. And part of that is I had to, I grabbed my cup of coffee and I sat down and I just took a couple of deep breaths and like, Alice. This is just a, this is, it's just a travel assignment. This ain't permanent. You know, I don't think the patient really was trying to upset you this morning. You know, I had to kind of like talk myself. I had to talk myself through what was happening and decompress with a cup of coffee in a quiet area. And, you know, another thing that you can do to try to displace anger is relax. Now it's hard to relax when you're in the situation But sometimes once the situation is somewhat stabilized and you have a moment to step away, you got to relax. You got to release. You're like, you know what? I can control what happened, but I can control how I can respond to it. Let me relax. And fortunately for me, I have like these lavender essential oils. And so I took some lavender and I actually put it on my wrist and I started smelling, you know, smelling the wrist. Mind you, it was good to cover up any kind of scent of poop. But I also was like (sighs) taking some deep breaths giving myself some positive affirmations, but I def- definitely needed to relax because it wasn't the patient's fault. Although we can say, oh, the patient did it. The patient was not in a mental or physical capacity to really understand what they were doing and because he was post ictol. So I can't really blame him that he was knowingly doing these things to piss me off or piss other people off or just to create a stir in the ER. Also, something else that I was able to do early that morning Kind of kind of here and there because I still had other patients I need to see. and I did have meds I need to give. Fortunately, it wasn't too many because I was actually had two. I had him two teleadmits, admits and then I got a, someone come in for something minor that wasn't too big. I called my girlfriend. Now, with being respectful to HIPAA, I did call her. I think I told her, I said, I'm leaving nursing and I'm becoming a gypsy. That's what I told her at first. And so she's like, what happened? What's going on? And so we kind of talked through it. This is someone I've known for a while who's also a nurse and can knows and understands some of the things that we go through in the ER. She's perioperative, but she gets the drift. She knows what's happening. So, I called a friend. She also made me laugh. We joked about some a couple of things, and so that made me feel a little bit better. Something else you can do to displace your anger is put yourself in the patient's shoes. So, I did. I put myself in the patient's shoes. And I recognize, and I didn't, this, this didn't really happen until once the patient became more alert and coherent and was able to talk to me because I was able to put two and two together that, oh, he is alert and follows directions and is logical. He just wasn't in that moment. But I put myself in his shoes and had to realize like, man, you know, first off having seizures, having epilepsy is not an easy life to have. You're limited in several ways you know i know you can still kind of have a normal life but they're you know hopefully but you want to be seizure free and sometimes when you're not seizure free you suffer these complications so it can influence the activities you actually get to do the partying or drinking that you can do drink responsibly if you're going to drink right but i'm just saying like there are so many things that epilepsy can limit in someone's life and then just imagine have this type of post ictal complications there's some Uh, research in some articles that I was reading that talk about the challenges that people have after seizures, how this post-ictal effects can last for days. It's like a brain fog, um, which is the most common post-seizure complaint and one of the most frustrating for them. And actually one study found that memory generally recovered about an hour after a seizure. However, there was another um, review that showed that Sometimes this can actually happen for several days. And then duration of the post-ictal symptoms can vary widely. So uh, there's also another study that found that 60% of post-ictal periods lasted less than one hour, but 10% lasted longer than 10 hours. So I'm seeing all of this. The point I'm getting is someone comes in via EMS, their seizures, are, they had a seizure at home, they come in and that first hour or so you think, okay, maybe they're recovering and we think that, oh, it's it, that's it. When the truth is no, they could be having these symptoms for a longer period of time, and that these symptoms can actually be, be disabling, so they're experiencing things like this confusion, problems with motor function, headache, fatigue, memory loss, behavior issues, and to not know how long that's going to last can really make it challenging them for them to study in school, to maintain jobs, to maintain focus so I had to put myself in the patient's shoes and realize, you know what, the patient is here for a reason. The patient's here because they need help. And I, as the nurse, need to understand and allow grace because this is a medical condition that's happening beyond their control. And I can't be upset with them for something that they cannot control. Something else you can do to manage a displaced anger is, you know, come back to the conversation when you're calm. I literally wanted to say a whole bunch of things. I had a whole bunch of select words for the patient and for staff and all those things. And luckily, I don't have a loose cannon. I'm professional. I'm media trained. I understand how body language and the things you say, once once you've said them, you can't take them back. So I chose to just be objective in the moments we were in the room and we're just cleaning the patient. And I chose to come back to the conversation. It was kind of interesting. So after we got the patient cleaned up and stuff, he was in restraints. He woke up and he actually was able, I don't know what happened. I had, I know what happened. The restraints were not, somehow the restraints were not tied properly. You know how you're supposed to release them and give them a break to move and things like that. One of the EMTs had done that. I don't believe she tied it back properly, but long story short, he didn't have the restraints on and he was asking to get up and go to the restroom. And it's just like, oh, okay well, let me talk to this person and see if they seem calmer. They seem more logical. They seem like they follow directions. Let me ask, do you know what happened earlier today? No. What are you talking about? When you got up and you shit it on the floor and you wiped it everywhere and smeared it on the wall and you were trying, you know, doing all that. So I came back to the conversation a lot more calm. Okay. Because earlier I was just upset. Like, come on, man, you're too grown to be doing this kind of stuff. So And and that's clean. That's a clean version of it. But I was really upset at the patient, so I had to come back to the conversation. And also, the staff that was helping me, the two MTs, they were moving slow. They didn't know what supplies to have. It was just like, come on! Did you not learn this in school? Like, I wanted to say that. Didn't you learn this in school? Don't you know how to do this? Like, why are you here? I wanted to say those things, but instead, I kept it objective and provided instructions in the moment when we needed to do the work. But later, I came back. I said. Have you guys ever experienced something like that? They're like, no, I haven't. I don't know what to do. I said, whenever you're in a situation where someone may becomes aggressive or violent or just combative or resistant, and their stool and everything stuff like that, or they're soiled, or you need to do something, safety first. Because while we're while we had the patient earlier, they wanted to clean the patient before they put the restraints on and do all stuff. They're like, oh, let's clean him up first before we get him in the bed. No, ma'am. Because if we try to clean him first and he acts wild. We still got to struggle and get him in bed. At least if we get him in the bed, try to clean him and he, he starts to tussle, he's already in the bed. So I had to come back to the conversation in a calm way, in a constructive way. And it allowed me to communicate objectively to them. Um, I wasn't conveying disappointment in them. When I had learned that they were newer, it was a teachable moment. But Also, you know, and it's only human, I can't can't shield them from this. But by me saying that, they recognize that they were not on their A-game, which they weren't. That's honest. But it's because they didn't know what to do. Not that they knew what to do and didn't do it. It's a whole situation. So I did that. And then, you know, the last tip to manage that I have for managing displaced anger. Now, this is something where it's more long term. This is one particular situation, but there are times and there are some people who are going to be listening to this podcast. Y'all get upset every day. Y'all displace every anger every time you come on shift because you get to work and somehow that chip on your shoulder is kicked in. And so you're either upset with a patient, you're upset with a family member, you're upset at something, but you take it off on people or things or situations that are not related and it should not impact. Okay. I wanted to prevent those things from happening. One, in the workplace while I was at work, because my shift had just started. I didn't want to be upset with everybody all day, right? Not only is it not good for communication, it's not good for the work relationships that I have with the people that I need to work with, right? If we get to arguing, and angry about what they didn't do and what I didn't, they think I didn't do, that wouldn't have been good. And then also, I didn't want to take any of that home to upset my family. Like, they didn't do nothing. It's not their fault that mommy had a hard day at work. It's not their fault that I start being short with them when it's something at work that happened. That's not fair. That's not cool. So I didn't want it to have any relationship issues. I didn't want my upsetness to have any work uh, workplace issues. So it was really important to identify that I was upset. I was angry. I had to identify it and then ask myself, like, why are you upset? And who are you upset at? I needed to ask those questions and gain clarity. I'm upset because it's first thing in the morning. I ain't even had no coffee yet. And I'm over here cleaning poop for the first hour, looking like I'm going to outer space because I got all the PPE on in a damn hospital. Like, I'm upset at that. Like, my my energy is being consumed on that versus really doing nursing stuff, like giving medications, giving some blood, um, listening to some heart lung sounds. Like, what I believe are more, in that moment, thought were more meaningful. Then cleaning poop. Cleaning poop off a patient who smeared it all over themselves and on the wall and on the floor. What the hell? Like I was not upset with that. But I was quickly able to understand why it happened. So, Alice, who are you upset with? I'm upset at the fact that I had to do this act, right? That's what I was upset at. So the patient obviously is the originator of the poop, I was upset with, but it wasn't his fault because he didn't recognize what he was doing. He was in a post-ictal state. My staff that were there, they were new. They weren't sure what to do. So it was not their fault. The staff that I had were kind of walking by um, and that I had to kind of call out to to help. They have patients of their own. They maybe didn't recognize what was going on in the room. Maybe their patients were sick as well and they couldn't stop by. So I couldn't be mad at them. Chargers, Chargers was trying to help me out by covering my other patients. House supervisor didn't have any other staff to send from any of the other units because we were short overall. And the hospital, the hospital is just, I can't be mad at the hospital for the population of patients it gets because people come to the closest hospital they can to for care. So it's not their fault. And my agency sure didn't have any, it wasn't their fault because they didn't know I was going to have this type of assignment when they first sent me there. They didn't. So I was displacing anger and I just needed to recognize why am I upset? Who am I upset at? And should I, do I really need to be upset and do things to displace and make that anger dissipate? And that's something that's really, really important in nursing. This is just one particular scenario. And many times we will have several of these type of insults throughout the day, which kind of makes it hard to really get, you know, truly displace anger in its full sense, because we just been through a pandemic. We've been worked to the bone, um, we're not appreciated. So it's hard to not displace anger in the healthcare workforce, we blame the hospital, we blame leadership, we blame the CEOs, we blame the C-suite. So, although there are some things that are uh, related in that sense, that there may be some reason why we're upset with the hospital administrators who are making certain decisions which impact our workflow, which puts us in these situations where we don't necessarily need to be unsafe patient situations that we don't need to be in. Yeah, we get upset, but at the end of the day holding all this anger inside is not good for you. I talked about how it's not good for workplace relationships. I talked about how it's not good for personal relationships, but the relationship with yourself, the cortisol levels that will be raised within your body is going to influence your uh, immune system. It's going to influence your skin, your stomach, your heart rate, like so many things. And so in order for us to really be our best and function at our best, we got to take care of ourselves and taking care of ourselves is also recognizing when we find ourselves in situations that have us upset, emotional and angry. And that may happen at work, may happen several times at work, but knowing how to identify it and knowing what to do to handle it. So you can professionally and safely and properly manage relationships at work, personal and with yourself. So you can be your best self and your most healthy self and still be excited about nursing and not blame it on patients. There you go. Six tips on how to manage displaced anger. I hope that helps. Uh, listen, you might have to listen to that one a few times. That's just one example of the several things that I've encountered that have made me upset. And frankly, you can say it pissed me off at work, right? You ready to walk off the job, risk it all, like no job in place. You're like, F this job. I'm out of here. I don't want to do this. Like. You're angry. Guys, we got to get our anger in control. We're human. It's a healthy emotion. Nothing's wrong with me. I'm not a bad nurse. I'm not a mean nurse. I'm a human nurse. And sometimes we get upset, angry, hurt, and bothered at work, even though we do love taking care of patients. And we just need a minute to gather our thoughts, gather the proper information, and to exercise restraint so we don't take it out on anyone else. And that is is the key to being a good nurse. You're going to have emotions. Accept it. Sometimes the public has a way of taking some of our feelings and kind of labeling it as we're bad nurses and things like that. We're not necessarily, we're not bad nurses. We're human nurses. We have feelings. Now, mind you, sometimes nurses, we got to be careful about how we share our feelings and who we share them with. But most importantly, it's that we identify them. We recognize what is problematic and how to resolve that before they become an issue. No one goes to work to want to get upset, to want to get mad, to want to get angry. We don't, but we're humans. We get exhausted. We get tired. We have emotions and that's okay. It's healthy. And so, you know, I really want everyone to take a listen to this podcast again, replay it, recognize these six tips on how to manage place anger, share it with someone, because we can all benefit from this, especially in a world of burnout. So that's the podcast topic for today guys I think it's a good one and I want to shout out nurse.org for um, helping to make the podcast possible. They are such friends and family of nursing they're doing their best to provide us all the latest and greatest in information professionally personally and publicly and politically and stuff that's going on that impacts our practice and our profession and us personally as well so so check them out go to nurse.org follow them on all social media platforms and as well if you have uh a comment, an idea, a suggestion that you would like to hear on the uh about the podcast, let me know. Seven two five nine one zero nine six seven six. Or if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, I'd love to hear that as well. Or if you got a question, love those too. You can text it or you can send a voicemail. 725-910-9676. Or you can always email it to nurse Alice at nurse.org. Would love to hear from you. Would also love it if you could leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform where you're listening to this, um, because that helps, you know, get the podcast out to more people, gives us feedback on how we can do things better and bigger um, just for you. Because we love communicating with our nurses. We love being a resource. We love talking about the things that we can't always talk about at work or in the break room. We can talk about it here. Okay, guys, I'm Nurse Alice. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, I appreciate you all. Follow me on social media as well at Ask Nurse Alice. But until next time, guys, please, please, please make good choices. Be kind to one another and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.